Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's word and apply his message to your everyday life. Visit SeekingTruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today, it's part two of the first book of Samuel, chapters 18 through 20. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. According to the Lord and his word, you never eat the blood of the animal. That's why they would drain the blood out and make it kosher, right? Because the life of the animal was in the blood. So Saul had made the people fall into way greater sin by putting a curse on them. Saul was trying to play God and Saul was not God. And so they told Saul, behold, the people are sinning against the Lord. They're eating meat with blood in it. And that was the day That was Saul's rash oath, and that was the day that Samuel said, you're no longer the one God wants in charge. You are no longer the king. God God has something else in mind. He's going to take the kingdom from you, remember? Saul built an altar then to the Lord to repent. It was the first altar that he built to the Lord. After all the people had drank all that blood in the meat, then he builds an altar. And then they offer sacrifice to the Lord. So which was worse, eating the honey that Jonathan ate or eating all that blood, which was worse to the Lord. Well, the curse wasn't from God, it was from Saul. So eating honey was fine because your words are like honey in my mouth, the psalmist says. And Jonathan is following God's word. Eating blood, Genesis says, you shall not eat flesh with blood, with its life, that is the blood. And Leviticus 17, for the life of every creature is in the blood. Its blood is the life. Therefore, I have said to the people of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any creature. For the life of the very creature is in its blood. Whoever eats of it shall be cut off. So Saul has put all the Israelites in jeopardy that ate that blood. Jonathan, on the other hand, has eaten honey, and his eyes are enlightened. His eyes are brightened, some translation says. He sees what his father's doing, and he sees that his father is not of the Lord, like Samuel also sees. The honey is symbolic of he's eating the words of the Lord. He's trusting the Lord. He's following the Lord. He's doing what the Lord has asked them to do, whereas his father is leading the people astray. So I just bring back that story to remind you. We have to keep this all straight. Eating blood is directly disobeying the word of the Lord. And that's what Saul, King Saul, led his people to do. And the minute he did that, it was in 1 Samuel 15, Saul is saying this, I pray, pardon my sin, return with me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, Saul, for you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. It was way back then in 1 Samuel 15 that the Lord took the kingship away. Samuel turned to go away and Saul laid hold of his skirt of his robe and he tore He tore Samuel's coat and Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Now we know who that little neighbor boy is, don't we? It's David, Jesse's eighth son, who just slayed Goliath the giant. And Jonathan has stripped himself of the robe. Jonathan knows it too. His eyes are enlightened, remember. He knows whose God's blessing is on. It's on David. He sees it with his own enlightened eyes. And he gives him his robe. And he's saying, the kingship is yours. I'm the firstborn son of Saul, but I see the Lord wants you. And I will obey the Lord. David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. And Saul sent him over men of war. 
Why did Saul do that? Saul sends him into every battle he possibly can. Why? We'll see. They're going to take your sons, and they're going to appoint them to chariots. Check. And this was good in all the sight of the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. David had impressed the women. David had impressed the men. David had impressed Saul's servants, and David had impressed Saul's own son, Jonathan. Did David impress Saul? This kid is going to be the end of my reign. This kid is going to take over my throne. The forces of evil were swirling all about the household of Saul. This kid is going to be the end of my reign. Same thing Satan would have said. This kid's going to crush my head. I'm the prince of the world. This son of David threatens that. Can't you see Satan saying that of Jesus? It's the same dynamic going on here. I can't rest easy until this kid's dead. He's the prince of the world. It says it in John's gospel. Satan's the prince of the world, and this kid's going to crush my head. He wants my kingdom. All the people love him. They want him to be king. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. We got to eliminate this guy from birth forward. They thought he was a king. Kings from all over came to adulate this baby as king. He wants to devour him from the moment he was born. Revelation 12 says, Oh, how the spirits of evil worked through King Herod, the Edomite puppet king of the Jews. So threatened was he about this new king on the scene that he ripped all baby males, three-year-old and younger, from the arms of their mothers and had them destroyed. David was earning the admiration and the adulation of all Saul's household, all the population of Israel loved David, and Saul is watching. And as they were coming home, David returned from slaying more Philistines. The women came out of the city of Israel. They were singing and dancing to meet King Saul with timbrels and songs of joy and instruments and music. And the women sang as one another as they made merry. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry. These are Philistines. Saul should be happy. He has a warrior that can slay 10 times more than he. Saul was very angry. This displeased him greatly. They have ascribed to David 10,000s, and to me, they've ascribed thousands. Oh, what more can we have but the, what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. Now, Saul is entertaining deadly sin. We have seven deadly sins. They're called deadly for a reason. They kill your soul. Saul is flirting with three of them for sure. Pride, envy, and wrath, which is anger. On the morrow, an evil spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house. Saul has opened himself up to this. Remember, the spirit of God has left Saul, leaving a big void in his soul, in his spirit. And these evil spirits are rushing in, and Saul is ascribing to them and agreeing with his will to allow them to take root in him. David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day, in service to the king, and Saul had a spear in his hand. And Saul cast the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded Saul, not once, but twice. Twice, while this young kid is trying to play psalms for him, he takes his spear and throws it at him to kill him, and it sticks into the wall. This is abuse, great abuse. Think of the physical and spiritual and mental thing that did to David. King Saul knows that David is God's chosen replacement for him. Saul was afraid of David. Well, David should be afraid of Saul, but Saul was afraid of David. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, and the Lord had departed from Saul. 
So Saul removed David from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. When that says a thousand, he's really going to put him in a big battle now. And David goes in and comes out with the men. That means David's right among the troops fighting. He doesn't sit back in the palace. He's out there with the men. He is one of the men, like a shepherd is one of his sheep. He smells like his sheep. So this is not an honor. Well, it is an honor in the world's eyes, maybe, that he's raised to this level of command. But to Saul, it's not an honor. Saul is trying to get him killed. Saul was hoping that David would be killed in battle while fighting for Saul, the king of Israel. And that's exactly what was predicted by Samuel, that he's going to take your sons, he's going to appoint them to chariots, they're going to be his horsemen, they're going to run his chariots. So David had success in all these battles, in these undertakings. The Lord was with David. And when Saul saw that he had such great success, he stood in awe of David, which means he was afraid of David. But Israel and Judah, both the north and the south, loved David. They went in and came out. He came in and out before them. They tell us that again, that he smelled like the sheep under his charge. He fought with his men. He smelled like his sheep. And Saul said to David, here is my elder daughter, Merab. I will give her to you for a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, let not my hand be upon him. Let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. So Saul says, here's my oldest daughter. I'm going to give her to you, but you got to fight more. You got to fight more. You got to go into more battles and more battles and more battles and more battles. And Saul's trying and hoping that David will be killed. And David said to Saul, oh, who am I? That you, king, would be my kinfolk, my, my father's head in Israel, that I should be a son-in-law of the king. He's being offered the firstborn daughter of the king of Israel. He will be the king's not only servant and harp player, but his son-in-law. Little David from Bethlehem, Podunk, Ephrathah. Two times David asked, Remember this? Back before he killed the giant, David said, what's going to happen to the person who kills the giant? What does the person who kills the giant get? Remember when he asked that? And the army said to David, the men of Israel said, the man who kills Goliath, the king's going to enrich him with great riches. And the king will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Jesse will have to pay no taxes. You're going to get a daughter of the king if you kill this guy. And David did. And Saul said to David, here's my elder daughter, Merab. I give her to you for a wife. Would he stay true to his word? Classic Saul. At the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, he gave her to someone else. He wasn't true to his word. Saul gave her to Adriel the Maholathite for a wife. Saul was not true to his word. Now Saul's daughter, Michal, loved David. So Jonathan, the son, loves David. And Michal, Saul's daughter, also loves David. And they told Saul... And this thing pleased Saul. And Saul said, let me give her to him that she may be a snare for him. And that at the hand of the Philistine may be against David. Therefore, Saul said to David a second time, you shall now be my son-in-law. And Saul commanded his servants, speak to David in private and say, behold, the king has delight for you and all his servants love you. Now then come and be the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spoke those words to the ears of David. And David said, oh, does it seem a little thing that I would become the king's son-in-law? Seeing that I'm a poor man, I have no repute. I have no dowry. I have no riches. And the servants of Saul said, thus and so did David speak. And Saul said, then you say to David, the king desires no marriage present except, except... I would just like a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. That would avenge the king's enemies. 
Saul says, I want a hundred foreskins for David's dowry. You got to go out, kill a hundred Philistines and cut off their foreskins and bring them back to me. And then you can have my daughter. How would you like that? Saul thought, surely David will die. Cutting off these foreskins, he, he will be killed. This, there's no way he's going to make it home from this one. Now Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. Now this is a children's book you can buy. It's called Awkward Moments in the Bible. And one of the stories is David putting a pile of foreskins before Saul. I'm getting it from my grandkids for Christmas. The other version you can get is the Lego version. And this is uh, David cutting off the foreskins, a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. I thought Steve would like that. You do not want to Google search a hundred foreskins, trust me. Um, even if you have safe search on. But David, that's all in fun. But that's what David is asked to do. And the servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. Before the time had expired, David arose and went along with his men and killed 200 of the Philistines. And David brought 200 foreskins back, a full 100% more than Saul had asked. And David married Michal, Saul's daughter. Saul gave David his daughter Michal for a wife. But when Saul saw her and knew that the Lord was with David and that all Israel loved David, Saul was still more afraid of David. So Saul was David's enemy continually. Then the prince of the Philistines came out to the battle. And as often as they came out, David had more success than all of the servants of Saul, so much that his name was highly esteemed. So David is building his resume, his reputation, warrior, battle after battle after battle after battle. And Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. Now, this is crazy because this man is winning battle after battle after battle for the king of Israel. And he wants him dead. And he wants his own son and servants to kill him now. Not even the enemy. He's tried to let the Philistines kill him. Can't be done. The Lord is on this kid. Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father seeks to kill you. Therefore, take heed to yourself in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. So we see that Jonathan really is a true friend. He's going even against his own father and telling David, behind his father's back that my dad wants your life. Your life is in danger. I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak to my father about you, and I will learn everything, and I will tell you, David. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and he said, let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have been of good service to you. For he took his life in his hands when he slew the Philistine, and the Lord wrought a victory for all of Israel. You saw it. You saw it, Dad, and you rejoiced. And why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without a cause? And Saul listened and hearkened to the words of Jonathan. Yeah, and, and Saul relented, and then Saul swore to Jonathan, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. And Jonathan called to David, and Jonathan showed him all these things, and Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in the presence as before. My dad's not going to kill you. He promised he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He, he won't. And there was a war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and made a great slaughter among them so that they fled from him. And an evil spirit came from the Lord upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand, and David was playing the harp. And Saul sought again to pin David to the wall with the spear. This is the third time he's tried to kill him, but David eluded Saul so that he struck the spear into the wall and David fled and David escaped. 
That night, Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him, that he might kill him in the morning. But Michal, David's new wife, told him, Two children of King Saul now, both siding with David, Jonathan and Michal. Michal told David, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michal let David down through the window, and he fled away. Michal took an image and laid it on the bed, put a pillow of goat's hair around the head, and covered it with clothes. And when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, He is sick. Then... Saul sent the messengers to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in bed that I may kill him. Saul says he's sick and in bed. We'll bring the whole bed here then. I'm killing this guy this morning. And when the messengers came, and behold, the image in bed was a pillow of goat's hair. And Saul said to Michal, Why have you deceived me thus? And let my enemy go so that he has escaped. And Michal answered Saul, David said to me, Let me go. Why should I kill you? Now David fled and escaped. He went up north straight to the prophet Samuel at Ramah, and they went further north to Naoth. And Saul sent messengers to take David. And when Saul's men came into the company of prophets who were prophesying, Samuel was standing there as the head over them, and the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of King Saul, and they started prophesying. This is crazy. When it was told Saul, he sent more messengers, and they prophesied in the name of the Lord. And Saul sent more messengers a third time, and they prophesied in the name of the Lord. And then Saul himself said, I will go. I will go to Ramah and kill this guy. And when Saul went and said, where are Samuel and David? They said, they're up in Ramah. They're at Naoth. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul and Saul began to prophesy and Saul stripped off his clothes and he too prophesied before Samuel the prophet and lay naked all day and all night long hence it is said is Saul also among the prophets there was a proverb that people would say, Saul has become a prophet of the Lord. He laid all night naked. Now you will remember the naked prophets in the Old Testament. When we studied Isaiah, Isaiah 20, Isaiah was told to go and loose the sackcloth from your loins and take off your shoes from your feet and walk naked and barefoot. The prophets often did this in the Old Testament to bear the bare naked truth. What the Lord had told them, they would speak. Jeremiah, same thing. Take the linen loincloth you're wearing, Jeremiah. Go to the Euphrates River and hide your loincloth in the rocks and go naked. Meek servants of God giving the bare naked truth to the people in all humility. Jesus Christ, the final prophet on the cross, had no loincloth. We see him always pictured with a loincloth out of respect, but his loincloth would have been gone, and he would have died totally naked, and he is the bare naked truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way back to the Father. So Saul is made a prophet for a day, and that's a protection for David. He doesn't kill David like he had gone to do because the Spirit of God came on him and made him into a prophet. Remember in the Old Testament, the Lord even makes the donkey speak with Balaam and Balak. When the Spirit of the Lord comes on someone, it's for a reason from God. And the reason there could have been to spare David's life from Saul. Then David fled from Naoth and Ramah and came and stood before Jonathan and said, what have I done? What is my guilt? What is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And Jonathan said to David, far from it. You shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing either great or small without disclosing it to me first. Why would my father hide this from me? It is not so, David. But David said, your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes. And Saul thinks, let not Jonathan know this about it, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there's just but a step 
between me and death. Your father wants me dead, Jonathan. As truly as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is only a step between me and death. One step. Your father wants me dead. David's own king, Saul, who David has laid down his life for over and over and over again, has become a more lethal enemy to David than Goliath of Gath, the Philistine giant, his own king, Saul, Jonathan's father, is a bigger threat, a bigger enemy. It's ironic. Jonathan said to David, whatever you say, I will do for you. And David said to Jonathan, behold, tomorrow is the new moon, and I shall not fail to sit at table with the king, but let me go that I may hide myself in the field until the third day at evening. And if your father misses me at all, then you say David earnestly asked leave because he had to run to Bethlehem, his city, because there's a yearly sacrifice for all the family. And if he says good, then it'll be well with your servant. But if he's angry that I'm not there, then you will know that evil is determined by your father. And remember, these guys have a covenant friendship. They would die for one another. And it's with the Lord. They both believe in the one true God of Israel. Jonathan said to David, whatever you say, I will do, because they were in covenant. Therefore, deal kindly with your servant. You have brought your servant into a sacred covenant with you, but if there is guilt in me, slay me yourself. Why should you bring me to your father to kill? You just kill me, Jonathan. They are best friends forever. Jonathan said, far be it from you if I knew it was determined by my father that evil would come upon you, would I not tell you? And David said to Jonathan, who will tell me if your father answers you roughly? And they cooked up a plan. Jonathan said to David, come, let's go to the field. They both went out into the field. And Jonathan said to David, the Lord, the God of Israel, be my witness. When I have sounded my father about this time tomorrow or the third day below, Behold, if he is well disposed toward David, shall I not send and disclose it to you? But should it please my father to do you harm, the Lord do so to Jonathan, and more also if I do not disclose it to you, and send you away that you may go in safety. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. If I am still alive, let the loyal love of the Lord that I might die and do not cut off your loyalty from my house forever. When the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth, let not the name of Jonathan be cut off from the house of David and may the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. Jonathan knows that David could be the next king and he has pledged his loyalty to David over his father who the Lord has already spiritually withdrawn the kingship from. Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. They are best friends forever. And Jonathan said to him, tomorrow is the new moon. You will be missed because your seat's going to be empty. On the third day, you will be greatly missed. Then go to the place where you hide yourself when the matter was at hand and remain yonder, the stone heap. And I will shoot three arrows to the side as if a shot at a mark. And behold, I will send the lad saying, go find the arrows. And if I say to the lad, look, the arrows are on this side of you, take them. Then you are to come for the Lord lives and it's safe for you to go. There's no danger. But if I say to the youth, look, the arrows are beyond you then go. The Lord has sent you away. And as for the matter of which I have spoken, behold, the Lord is between us forever, best friends forever with the Lord between them. So David hid himself in the field. And when the new moon came, the king sat down to eat the food. And the king sat on his seat as at other times upon the seat by the wall. Jonathan stood opposite Abner by Saul's side, but David's place was empty. And Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought something had befallen him. He's not clean. Surely he's not clean. You know, he had blood on his hands all the time. 
for Saul. But on the second day, the morrow after the new moon, David's place was empty again. And Saul said to Jonathan, why has not the son of Jesse come to the meal? either yesterday or today. And Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly wanted to be here, but he had to ask leave to go to Bethlehem. He said, let me go for our family holds a sacrifice in the city and my brother has commanded me to be there. So now I have found favor in your eyes. Let me get away and see my brothers. For this reason, he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. And he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? Saul is full of anger. You have chosen David over me. For as long as the son of Jesse lives upon the earth, neither you, Jonathan, nor your kingdom will be established. Jonathan, this belongs to you, and you're giving it to David. Therefore send and fetch him to me, for he surely shall die. Then Jonathan answered his father and said, why should he be put to death? What has he done? But Saul cast his spear at him to smite him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. Now, I don't know what your dinners are like at your house. This father is ready to spear his son over this matter. And Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger himself and ate no food the second day of the month for he was grieved for David because his father had disgraced him. And in the morning, Jonathan went out to the field to the appointment with David and with the little lad. And Jonathan said to the lad, run and find the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad ran, Jonathan shot an arrow beyond him. And when the lad came to the place of the arrow, which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan called after the lad and said, it's not the arrow beyond you. And that was the clue. That was the clue for David. That is what they had agreed upon. Is not the arrow beyond you. It is not safe here for David anymore. His father does want to kill him. Jonathan called after the lad, hurry and make haste, my son. So Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came to his master, but the lad knew nothing. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. Jonathan gave his weapons to the lad and said, go and carry them to the city. And as soon as the lad had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. They kissed one another. They wept with one another until David recovered himself. I mean, this was weeping. These two friends who are bonded by the Lord and trusting his word and obeying his word must now separate because one of the friend's father wants to kill the other. And it's a very deep grief for both men of God. Jonathan said to David, go in peace for as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying the Lord shall be between you and me and between my descendants and your descendants forever. And he rose and departed and Jonathan went to the city. Saul wants David dead. But David and Jonathan are best friends forever. Lord, we pray that we would have godly friendships in our life, people that we can share the Lord with, people that we want the best for their soul, and they want the best for our soul, and they'll call us on like iron that sharpens iron. Please send each of us friends in our lives that are that type of friends, friends in the Lord. Thank you for all our Seeking Truth friends who care about each other and care about you, Lord, and your word and staying true to your word and helping each other grow in your word. Bless us now as we go off to discuss your word. May you enlighten our eyes like you did Jonathan. And may we find godly friendships like that of David and Jonathan today. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. That was part two of the first book of Samuel, chapters 18 through 20 on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible Studies, visit SeekingTruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth 
with Sharon Doran.